Hello, Hawk fans. Welcome to another edition of Bang the Drum, the postseason, pre-postseason edition of Bang the Drum. My name is Joe Greenwich. I am joined, as always, by St. Joseph's men's basketball head coach, Billy Lang. Coach, thanks for joining us. Joe, great to be here with you again. Year's going fast. Yeah, uh, this is kind of like a little bit of a weird kind of, of time. You, you, you played your last regular season game on a Wednesday night. With an odd number of teams in the Atlantic 10, every weekend somebody has a bye. The Hawks have their bye the last weekend of the season. That's kind of bizarre feeling, right? Well, I actually look at it as God's grace. You know, no team probably needs it right now more than we do. <laughs> a little um, bit of rest, yeah. Recovering from injuries and illnesses. And, you know, Lynn Greer is banged up from his uh, collision um, against Tyler Burton in the Richmond game. So, you know, when you at the end of the year, well, at the beginning of the season, you look at your calendar you're like, man, you really don't want to take that time off. But right now, we need it desperately. So it, it's bizarre to have it. Someone was going to have it. I'm glad we're the team that has it. it. does lead to some, we won't call them complications, but some interesting thoughts heading into the tournament. We'll talk about that a little later on. But first, you talked about guys being banged up and injured. And, and down the stretch, you guys hit a bit of a rough patch because of it. Yeah. So when you're dealing with injuries, and that's something everyone deals with, it's something everyone deals with all year, and every year there are teams that have to deal with it at the end of February and March. What is it like coaching when you honestly don't really know what your lineup is going to be day to day? Every game there's a release going out basically saying who's available and who's not, and that's not ideal, I'm going to guess. Yeah, well, I mean, a few things. You know, Personally, I've experienced this um, with the 76ers a lot. <laughs> Uh, with Joel and, and Ben and, and other guys that were in and out. And then just here on Hawk Hill, I mean, this has been not that dissimilar to other things that we have dealt with, with Taylor um, in our first year, Ryan in our second year, Taylor a little bit um, last year. So as the, as the head coach, you just kind of go with it. And so, you know, you use the term rough patch. I was, I'm assuming you're, you're leading towards – uh, the losses and the losing streak, I, I don't look at it like that. The rough patch to me was watching Casper, who was playing at his highest peak um, at the George Mason game, you know, then go miss four weeks because of Mono. And then Edge, who was playing, I think, at an all-conference level, get injured on the last play on a non-call um, against Davidson. So the rough patch is feeling for your players. This is what you have to deal with as a coach. You right. sign up for this when you do it. And, you know, the schedule that we had with VCU on a Tuesday um, did not help. You know, we didn't have an extra day to prepare. I don't know that it would have made a difference. VCU's terrific. Casper was trying to, like, get in shape in a game against VCU, <laughs> and we had no edge. So, it, it you know, and then St. Bonaventure's a hard place to win. And, and so you just you, – you add up those games that you have, uh, you know, no Casper at Duquesne. I actually thought we held pretty well without Casper – all things considered, we were three and three with a controversial loss at Davidson. So you're a call away or a rebound away from being four and two. This is just part of it. I, I think we talk at the beginning of the year that this program has one goal each season. It's become the most united team we can be by the end of the season. It's not going to be picture perfect. I feel the group is exactly where they could be right now. We are the most united we could have been, and part of it has been because these circumstances have forced us to unite. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Obviously, when, when guys go down, it's an opportunity, a necessity for other guys to step up. In your eyes, how have, has the team and how have those, 
those guys stepped up. The next man up, the seventh man becomes the sixth yeah. or the fifth, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a big no next man up. I'm not really about all that mm-hmm. um, because I think it puts too much pressure on an individual. And, and if you're talking about team all year and united all year, it's about the group doing more collectively from my standpoint. And, you know, you can use those terms in the NBA and the NFL because you got pros on your bench. We got guys that are either young or haven't even played that much. And so I don't want them to harbor a burden that is unrealistic. Instead, it's like, how can I sharpen the team and be more united? And so one thing is that I believe Lynn Greer and Eric Reynolds um, took a leadership responsibility, a communication responsibility during this time to the other guys. You know, Rashir had to play more minutes. And so you saw an intentionality of learning and understanding, and he got better with each minute um, that he's had to play, including what I thought was his best all-around game here at the end of the season against um, Richmond. And, you know, other guys and Christian and Louie and CJ and Anton, like they've all contributed. In the other way, I can't tell you about the uh, the the benefit of having Chris Ascendico and Sean Simmons sitting out practicing against us. You know, they have pushed us. I mean, these are two high, high-level players that will see significant time for us next year, and they're out on the practice floor pushing us. So, Joe, for us, we try to keep our message architecture consistent, irregardless of the circumstances and the results. And ours is iron sharpens iron. Ours is about being united and competing for St. Joseph's, and we continue to put the emphasis there and require those things more than we do saying to an individual, you now need to do this. Well, all of that provides some context heading into that Richmond game, Wednesday night, last game of the season. You end up with what you could describe as kind of a comfortable win, if such a thing even exists in the market. <laughs> coaches coach. don't think like that. Coaches <laughs> do not. I can promise you coaches don't think like that. There were a couple of stretches where you, know, you open up a big lead and the Spiders start to get back into it, and then a spot where a team could easily – turtle up or, or, or start to, to press things, that didn't happen. And, and in large part because of the leadership that you mentioned with Eric Reynolds, Lynn Greer, Eric Reynolds tied his career high. So watching them do that and, and, and knowing kind of what the group has been through as a whole for, for the whole season, but also you know since we last talked, what, what is that like for you on the bench? Is that a, a – you know, obviously there's a moment of pride there, but is there a thing where like you're kind of like, all right, you know what? Take your hand off the wheel a little bit. Let these guys, you know, figure yeah. this out. You know, enjoy this. You know, uh, in as much as as you can for a few days, especially with no game. But is is this a thing where not quite the culmination or the cherry on top, of course, but like it's kind of just evidence of this is what we've been talking about. This is this was a great way to put it into practice. I think that that's um, everything that you just said is how you feel um, as the coach. You know. I, I'll just be very honest. This is how I feel. I mean, I, I'm hard to satisfy. It's hard to impress me. I'm very critical, not only of myself, my staff, our team, um, but I'm also honest and I try to be fair. I'm not perfect, but I try to do those things. You know, prior to Casper going out, we were playing as well as anybody was in our conference. I believe that. And then even with him out, we were sustaining at that level. Tough loss to LaSalle, but I thought those were things, and LaSalle played great, but there were things within our control from free throw shooting to layup making, excuse me, and certainly defensive rebounding 
you know, but we had great runs against Rhode Island and at Loyola and GW. And so I felt the team was trending in that area where you're talking about. The greatest growth I've seen, and I'm not one that compares one season to the next, but the greatest growth that I've seen, if I was pressed to answer what's the difference, what's the improvement, has been those moments of composure that you just mentioned. We had them when we were losing uh, at Davidson and at Duquesne, and we had them when we were winning seven out of nine games, and then we showed it again with Richmond. And it comes to having a steady backcourt that is growing in experience and maturity and working on becoming, and both of that, uh, both of those guys, Lynn and Eric, showed that. It, ha- it helps to have Cam Brown, who's now like a, an associate head coach on the basketball <laughs> court. It helps to have great competitors like Christian Winborn and Rashir that want to learn as freshmen and steadying forces like Louis, CJ, uh, and Anton that give good minutes. And so pride, I, I try, I don't know if it's proud. I just see that we're becoming. And, you know, we still have time here um, to become. So I really enjoyed the the effort that our guys gave and the composure. I feel like all year we've responded to a run. And, you know, I think about George Mason. I think about Ad Davidson. And then to come back and put ourselves either in a position to win or win the game. And uh, that's been something that where the program in totality has grown. When you mentioned Cam Brown, let's talk about senior night. Obviously, it's, it, it can be an emotional thing, and, and sometimes teams kind of get rattled by that, but it seems like the Hawks came out, and uh, you won't, won't say they came out. Sorry, it was a funny game where you never trailed, but, but it took a few minutes for anybody to get on the board. Kind of a tense start, but then after that, the Hawks, you know, forgive any pun, kind of soared a little bit yeah. on senior night. So. How, what was that like for your program? You talk about Cam Brown. You know, this is your fourth year. This is your senior year too, right? Yeah, yeah. Cam's been here since day one. Yeah. Uh, it, you remember big shot his freshman yeah. year against Davidson. Yep. What was it like for everybody to have the opportunity to honor the players, the the the, the, the members of the staff, uh, the graduate assistants, managers, the Hawk? You know, it, it was senior night for the Spirit Squads. It, it was it was a really nice night for everybody. But but what was that like for your team? What what sort of, uh, I don't know, is there, how important is it within the team when you guys are maybe discussing your preparation or, or you know, you're just going through meetings and say, hey, this is, you know, we have this great night for our guys. Let's make sure we honor them in the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, we don't have, they don't um, have to feel like they have to win for them any differently than they do the game before right. that or 20 games before that. You know, we, we put our focus on uh, playing like Hawks and, and being united. Um, I think it's more the other things, the, the external things of celebrating a journey, you know, whether it's uh, graduate managers like Casey and Phil and Mike um, or our managers like Jack and Tommy and Matt and Frank, who is the Hawk, or our players, you know, who are Edge and CJ and Anton and, of course, Cam. We want them to feel like their journey here was worth it. You know, irreg- I mean, Cam has had an amazing journey because he was literally the first phone call I made uh, when I got the job. We had three players, you know, and so Cam committed to something that was not stable at like at all, like literally not at all. It's part of the reason why the injuries have been so hard is that we, we still are not through enough cycles to have the depth to sustain losing two starters. And so for Cam to commit to that and then to see Cam be there and walk out of that tunnel it means a lot. You know, you give your life to this, Joe. If, if life is time, the people that are in this program, they give a lot of their lives to this. And it's, it's not just the coaches and the staff and the support staff. It's also the players. Like, they don't get to live a normal college life. They can't just show up at 
6.55 and watch a two-hour game and then walk back. Like Everything they do is about time. And if time is life, they're giving a lot of their lives to this. So to see that culmination is great. You know, I think a lot about Anton. I don't know that any player that we have had here uh, in our short period of time has had to endure more than Anton. You know, he gets here in mid-January of 2020. By March, we're not allowed to work with him. You know, and he can't go home. You know, and so that's tough because he, he missed an entire cycle of development that is critical. And then when I think about Edge and CJ, and I think about the improvement that we have made since they have gotten here and the benefits that like other players have improved because of their presence, you know, Eric Reynolds and Cam, you know, these guys have improved. They helped Jordan Hall last year. And I look at where we were when they got here and where we are now and I know what our record would be if we were healthy I mean they've li literally flipped it into a team that was ready to win and so but it's because of what they've invested and who they are as people so the senior night that ceremony that festivity and we do something with the team intimately um, the night before in the locker room with video and sharing some stories about each other they mean everything to me that that's that can never die in college basketball Cam Brown to me represents everything college basketball is supposed to be about Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming Atlantic 10 Championship here with head coach Billy Lang on Bang the Drum. We'll be right back. You can support St. Joseph's Athletics by making a tax-deductible gift to the Hawk Athletic Club. These gifts are essential to providing student-athletes with the resources to excel in the classroom, in the community, and in competition. Make an impact on St. Joseph's Athletics by visiting sjuhawks.com HAC and donating to the Hawk Athletic Club today. Today's show is brought to you by Mainline Health, four suburban hospitals, four top regional rankings, and a proud sponsor of the St. Joseph's Hawks. For award-winning human care, visit MainlineHealth.org. The Kettle Club Podcast Network is brought to you by Rothman Orthopedics. Rothman Orthopedics, the official team physicians of your St. Joseph's Hawks, provides the region with unmatched orthopedic care. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit www.rothmanortho.com. For orthopedic excellence, think Rothman first. And also by Univest. Handle all your banking remotely with the Univest mobile platform. Easy, convenient, and secure because life needs a little more wow. Live life, stay connected with Univest. Univest Bank and Trust Company, member FDIC. We're back here with head coach Billy Lang on Bang the Drum. Coach, one last thing about that Richmond game. Obviously, we talked about getting a win and and, and a win that, honestly, I think the best way to maybe describe it was it was, it was a fun game for, for the fans, hopefully for the players. And well, I get the impression there are no fun games for coaches, right? Yeah, no, we, we enjoy, we enjoy <laughs> so, competing. There's some momentum coming out of there as you head into the postseason. Uh, first question on that, does that momentum get dulled by having to wait so long to play or – like you said, the advantage of you know getting guys some rest and getting a little healthier, plus your last – they say when you go play a round of golf and you go take your, your swings on, on the range, the last yeah. swings you hit should be the same shot you have to hit to start. Yeah. So now you're coming in. Your last memory off of the proverbial driving range here is <laughs> a real nice win at home in front of the fans. How much do you take into the postseason whenever that may start, which, again, we'll talk about momentarily. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good points you made there. I mean, um, you know, number one, coaches do enjoy the games. They're, they're just competitive. Uh, you, you enjoy the competition of it. Um, you know, as in terms of the break, and, I, and I, I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning, 
we have to have it because of where we are physically right now. And so I would prefer to keep playing, but I wouldn't prefer that to keep playing with injured players. So, right. And there are guys that are playing right now that are very banged up because they've had to log more minutes. It's not just game minutes. You know, when, when a player has to do more, the body is like an odometer, right? It just mm-hmm. knows you're putting mileage on it. It doesn't say, oh, that's a game mile. That's a practice mile. That's a weightlifting mile. It's just saying these are a lot of miles. So when you have players out of practice, the other guys are on the court and getting more reps, which means we have to, as a coaching staff, particularly myself, have to dial back some of the things you work on, which might not be beneficial, right? Right. You have habits that you still need to create, but you got to have bodies out there to at least play in the game. So I'm I'm fine and at peace with, with what has been laid out and where we are right now in terms of the break. You know, my wife and I constantly have this debate about momentum, constantly. And uh, she's probably not going to listen to this, but she's a big believer. I'm not a big believer, only because we can feel momentum, but it might not be a fact, right? And so I don't want to be caught up in we have momentum. What we have right now is an opportunity to improve and get better. We, as a staff and the players, would not approach the next day any differently than we would a win or a loss, it would feel better to win. I get all that. But it, it can't distract you from the task that is ahead. So I'm sure our guys are in a much better spot because of the victory against a very good team, Richmond, and the celebration of senior night. But the truth be told, we've been playing good basketball. We've just been playing good basketball really shorthanded. And so that's just evidence that we were doing the right things. And so I have to keep the focus on the intentionality of the next 72 to 96 hours as an opportunity to get better heading into the Atlantic 10 tournament and not get so focused on momentum. Although I do recognize that there is momentum, I'm just not as committed to the power of it in terms of it just automatically means that something good is going to happen. I think you got to start over right where you are with with the things that you have learned from the previous days or games. Well, for those that do believe in momentum, yeah. there's no better example of momentum than a postseason tournament run. No and question. You guys are coming up with the Atlantic 10 Championship up in Brooklyn. We're, we're sitting here on, on a Friday morning, and you don't know who you're going to play. You don't know when you're going to play. It could be yeah. Tuesday. It could be Wednesday. Any time of day. And that that may be the one drawback right. of the the, 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 the the weekend off. But at the same time, a lot of teams in the league don't know who they're going to play until Saturday. So right. while you're kind of you know tuning in tomorrow or checking scores or not, as it were, what what kind of thought do you have on how to to best prepare over the last or, or, or how how was it over the last couple of days? Or is it you know obviously by the next time they get together after today, they're going to know who they're playing and when. So is it something where obviously the chips are going to fall where they may? But is it something where over the last couple of days since the Richmond game? You've just prepared for a number of different teams, or just you know the, the the standard we work on ourselves approach. Is that it feels like that may be the only thing you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's it. it. You're you're right on it. Like either whoever we play, or it's going to be a team that we've played already. It's just have we played them recently? Did we play them halfway through, or did we play them at the beginning? And so you already know it's not going to be Dayton, it's not going to be St. Louis, and it's not going to be Fordham. So those are the first, or Duquesne, those are the first four opponents we play. So it's going to be somewhere medium or somewhere recent. Um, you know, the number one priority has been health. It's it's been rest and recovery, weightlifting, uh, pool um, treatment, so we can then get into these days and get better. And it, it's a combination of 
um, focusing on ourselves. It's, it's not a standard line. It actually is the truth. There is growth that we still can have, things that we have to tighten up, particularly because we could be adding pieces back. Or we, we haven't had a lot of time since Edge went out and Casper was out. You know, we play VCU on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, we're taking off because we have to. Then you're still thinking like, well, Casper might be back by Bonnie's. What is really the diagnosis of Edge's injury? So you're sitting there in a little bit of limbo. This is the first time really we've had a uh, extended period to say, this is now the group. What are some of the minor tweaks or points of emphasis that we need to hammer down on to get ready for this tournament? I do believe in momentum in tournaments, though. That I do believe because you're just playing right after each other, right? right? And so I I agree with that Um, because – at this point, at that point, you're just going to be who you are. And so if you believe in who you are and you do who you are better than the other team does, you're going to win. There's not going to be some master game plan at, on a 2 a.m. thought. You know, you just got to go and know what you know, come up with what you're going to do, and then go and do it. So we will take um, – we'll meet with the team today. Uh, we'll do some light work today. We'll, we'll really look, look to um, – push ourselves on Saturday and Sunday by Saturday at either 3.30 or 11 p.m., depending on what happens in the middle games. We'll have an idea who we're playing. Sunday will give us more knowledge of preparation specific, and so will Monday. And then if we don't have to play till Wednesday, which would be amazing, and we're hopeful for that because it's one more day of rest, then we'll have Tuesday to do it as well. But everything right now needs to be short, sharp, precise, intense, have great intentionality behind it. When you do scouting for a tournament, your first game, you, you always have more time right. than the others. So w- when you're looking at, at a bracket, are, are you, is a coach being assigned to each of the next two potential opponents, or is it one of these things where, like you said, we've played them. Maybe you've played them twice. Maybe you played them recently. Maybe you played them in the past. Are you, are you watching your, your game film of your game against them? And to focus on it, or are you watching maybe obviously their more recent film if you haven't played them since January, or just hey, this is what they did in the tournament yesterday. Fire it up. Let's see. It's great questions. I mean, it's all of the above, and and it goes back to when did you last play them, right? So mm-hmm. if it's a team we played in, let's say game six, um, you know, a lot can change for a team between right. now and then. George Mason, completely different team because they're healthier. Um, than, than they were when we played them towards the end of January. I mean, they're similar. I shouldn't say completely different. They're similar, but they've made some some strategic changes and adjustments and have gotten a little bit healthier than they were. And so you're going to have to dive in a little deeper than just your last game. Uh, if we play Richmond like or St. Bonaventure, it's like, <laughs> hey, what did we do against them? And But you don't have a lot of time after your first game. You don't have a lot of time. Heading into it, you know, you can start to create um, – practice schedules in and around the actions of obviously the team that you're going to play and the other two teams that you may play. But I don't want to look ahead because it's really about winning one game at a time. And look, this is basketball. It's not that complicated. Like they're either going to post (laughs) up, they're going to run a pick and roll. You know, there's going to be some off ball stuff. And then each team does something well. So what are you emphasizing? Is it defensive rebounding? Is it transition defense? Do they switch? What's our cutting action need to be about? How do they guard our Reynolds? in a pick and roll. And then you're focusing on minimizing the mistakes based on the knowledge you have of the opponents. That's what makes conference tournaments pretty exciting is that there is intimate knowledge. It's also what makes the NCAA tournament totally different because you're now seeing teams that you have not seen before. And it's like game one of the season all over again. Although I'd like to not play Houston in game one if that can happen. <laughs> Do you think the guys are, are drawing, I don't say added excitement, but like the best way to put it, 
can you all feel March? Oh, as for sure. like, like, how does it manifest itself on that day to day? Like you're, you're on that neutral floor, you're in that NBA building, you know what you're trying to do and you know, you're going up against opponent and you're both playing for your season. Yeah. I mean, I, the, for sure they feel it. They grow up watching it. I mean, they watch NBA playoffs. They've played in their own state tournaments. Then of course they've watched March Madness. It's March. The sun's out. The weather's a little nicer, although today it's a little chilly here, but it's been nicer. <laughs> Tomorrow um, and today, not with And there's already <laughs> tournaments going on. So they're watching that right now. They, they definitely feel it and they love this time of the year. The practices are lighter. Uh, mm-hmm. There's going to be no practice next week once we get into the tournament. And so everything becomes film and preparation. We do a lot of that type of teaching and studying and preparation now. You know, um, I'm a big believer in you better be there before you get there, you know. And so you better learn how to learn like this and prepare like this way before you're in this situation. You can't go into the tournament and say, hey, now we got to rebound. Nope, you better get better at it. Hey, now we got to make free throws. Nope, now you got you better have been doing it all year. There's not magic that's going to happen in that sense, it's you become what you do every day and, and who you are. And so we're not a perfect team. None of these teams are going to be perfect. Um, if we can get some, to use your word, momentum going and, and, and win a game or get two, we're just going to buy that third game. We have to do what we do a little bit better, a little bit fresher. And then what can we take away from the opponent? Make it hard because they're going to be playing their best basketball at that time right now. Irregardless of records, most teams, unless they've totally tailspinned at the end of the year, and a lot of times when that does happen, it's attributed to, to injuries, um, they're all playing their best basketball. Everyone is. You know, it's really comes down to matchups, and it comes down to the execution and the enforcement of, of habits while you're out there. You know, so does – let's just take a possible first-round game, non-St. Joe's. Does, you know, Richmond play better at being Richmond – then GW plays at being GW. That's what it's going to come down to. And it's going to come down to, do I make an open shot? Do I make a free throw? Does a referee make the right call? I mean, all these are parts of March Madness. And what makes it exciting is what you alluded to, is that it is a do or die. And I think the players know that. I know they know that. They grow up watching that. This is what you compete for. This is why you play. Well, the madness begins Tuesday, March 7th, running through Sunday, March 12th, up at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. The Hawks going for an Atlantic 10 championship. Coach, good luck this week, and hopefully moving forward beyond that, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon, maybe uh, maybe with a piece of the net sticking out of the baseball cap. How's that sound? It would be awesome. It would be awesome. <laughs> I want to thank our fans for their passion. Uh, our team has reflected the Hawk will never die spirit, I feel, this year, and so has our, our passion at Hawk Hill community. Joe, thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast with you today. Our thanks to head coach Billy Lang for joining us and our thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Be sure to subscribe to the Kettle Club Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can also find us at sguhawks.com slash podcasts. (laughs) 